thankful to be here this morning. And uh, I've got myself in a mess because I, I brought this Bible I've never preached out of. It's got smaller text. I forgot my iPad and I wore my glasses that I can't see out of anymore. So you're going to have to pray for me. Uh, I can't I can't see anything. But anyway, I am excited. I got a, a message I want to share with you this morning that God has blessed me with in, this, in my study this week. But I pray that it would be a challenge to our hearts and our lives in Isaiah chapter number 5. We were just in Isaiah not too long ago, but I want to go back over there to Isaiah chapter number 5. And I don't know that I've ever preached this here, but I maybe at uh, some point in time. But I feel that God has my heart in this message this week. I believe that God has had me in this study for a reason and for a purpose from Isaiah 5. And in my study, I find such a great parallel between Israel and what we see in our nation today. But we know this, this scripture is speaking of some vine, a vineyard, referring to Israel as a vineyard. And we know that there's been three clear vineyards planted in the history of time that God has specifically planted. We know prior to Noah that God planted um, a vineyard, of course, in, in essence, the garden there before Noah. And we know that he planted Israel as a vineyard. And then we see today the church is planted as a vineyard. And so I want to look at this scripture and think about God's vineyard. In Isaiah 5, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1, and we'll read verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. And built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for the time we've got together. Lord, we pray that you would just uh, help us and take this word. God, let us break this bread that we all may grow from it. God, I pray that you bless each and every person here. Lord, I pray if there's one that does not know you, God, that you would convict their hearts and draw them to you and your saving power, and the knowledge of your son, Jesus. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and praise you. In Jesus' holy name, amen, amen. So when thinking about God's vineyard, we see here in Isaiah, we know that this, this is a specific, uh, a very important time in the history of Israel. And we know that Isaiah here is prophesying about this vineyard that God has uh, planted, which is, of course, Israel. And we see three things very clearly here about concerning Israel. We see God's provision and his providing uh, through that vineyard for them. And we'll read just a moment all that he has done for them and all he had blessed them with. Then we see that they were sinful and that the vineyard that he blessed them with was not used and utilized in the way that it should have been. And then we also see that he rains his judgment down upon Israel because of their mishandling of what he had blessed them with. And it says in verse 1, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. I want to think first about God's favored people. We know Israel are, is the people of God. They are God's chosen people. They are the people that have been shown favor, especially in this time, by God. They, they were um, protected and they were provided for. They were blessed by God. And we know that 
uh, God wasn't just going to give them just anywhere. He was going to give them a foundation and a platform to build upon that was going to be something that, that was, it was good ground. It was, it was fruitful ground. And so when it says that, uh, that my beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, this is referring specifically to Israel and how they were, they were blessed with even the soil that they were, they were building upon. And, you know, if you think about it, if you consider the, the, the Middle East specifically, if you look for stuff that's produced over there, nine times out of ten, you're going to find things made in Israel. You're going to find, and, and it's, a, it's an anomaly. Although that it's in the midst of the desert, it's in the midst of the heat, it's in the midst of the wild, it's in the midst of chaos and war and terrorism and everything else, they've been able to have peace. They've been able to have, uh, they can create things, they can grow things, they can fish for things that God has provided for them the ability to produce when, in other words, he shouldn't have. And you know and you see uh, the, that land that, that they've been provided with, it's, it's a fruitful land. And so Isaiah is reminding Israel, look what God's blessed you with. Look at this fruitful hill. Look what, you, look what you're building upon. It goes on in verse number 2. It says, and he fenced it. So we, we looked at, we thought about God's uh, favored people, but look at God's fenced protection. He fenced that fruitful hill. That blessing that he had given Israel, he didn't just give it to them and just say, all right, you're on your own. He actually put a barrier around it to protect them. There's a few things and a few reasons that you would actually fence something. And I was thinking about this and I was considering the fences and why you would put a fence up. And we just put a fence up around our house. If you've got any kind of livestock or if you've got an animal or if you've got a pet or whatever it is you want to, you need to contain, you're going to put a fence up. And we just put a fence up around our house, and I was thinking about a few reasons why you would put a fence up. The first thing is you want to keep things out. You'd put a fence up because you don't want anything getting in to attack or, or to mess with the livestock or the pet that's inside of that fence. I want to keep things out. The biggest reason, Britton, that we, we thought about doing an invisible fence. That's cheaper. Thought about doing that. But I think about with my dog and how he is and how the other dogs in the community are. I didn't want them terrorizing him all the time, and he can't do nothing about it because he's, he's chained down to that invisible fence. So I wanted to keep things out, but also I wanted to keep things in. When we put that fence up, I knew that it was important for me to keep my dog inside of my fence because I've got neighbors. I've got uh, places that I don't want them to wander off to. The road's not too far away. I don't want them to go get out in the road. I don't want them to run away. And also, you would build a fence also to mark your territory. You know what's yours. I know people, have, uh, know a guy that lives down the road from us. They've got like about 100, I think it's 110, 112 acres of land. And it's fenced all the way around, every bit of it. They call it the fox lot. People go up there and go fox hunting and uh, run their dogs up there. And you don't have to worry. It's a lot of land, but you don't have to worry about your dogs getting out because there's a 12-foot fence all the way around it. And you think about that, and it's important that you mark your territory. It's important that you know the boundaries. And God, when he fences Israel, he puts his his barrier around that fruitful hill, he is doing that to keep the enemies out. He's doing that to protect Israel from those that would come to try to destroy them. 
But he's also trying to keep them in because he knows how they are. He don't want them just wandering off and them getting out and getting themselves messed up and getting them in a bad position. But he also wanted to mark his territory. That's his favored people. That's his chosen people. And it was important that he built that fence around them to protect them and to mark his territory. Next it goes on and it says, he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof. I'm going to stop there for just a second. That's a blessing. That God provides this fruitful hill. He puts a barrier around them to protect them. And then he gathers the stones out of the way. He gets that stuff that would keep their crop from growing out of the way. He's building a vineyard, remember? It's important that when you have a vineyard, you're not going to be able to grow uh, that, that produce, that, that, that uh, blessing of the ground. That's not going to grow up through the rocks. You've got to get that out of the way. God not only put a barrier around them, but he, put, he took the stones and he cast them out. I remember it was about 10, 12 years ago, uh, one summer, my, my grandfather and grandmother had cleared, I think it was 12 or 13 acres of land. And it was just a pine thicket, it's all it was. It was just pines and pines and pines. And I'm going to tell you, there were more rocks on that land than I'd ever seen in my entire life. My brother was there to testify to this, but it would be about 8 or 9 o'clock every morning that summer, and my papa would show up in his truck, and he'd, I'd say, Papa, what are we going to do today? We're going to go pick up rocks. And we did that. God is my witness. He saw it. He, he knew it took place, but we picked up rocks every single day for an entire summer. And I mean, we filled, there, there wasn't, we, what's that, Jacob? He's smarting off down there. But it was that entire summer, and we worked, and I don't know how many buckets of rocks we got in the tractor. And that was just, but it was important that we did that, and we spent, spent that time doing that so that, that that ground would be able to grow something. And you know, now it's beautiful green hay these days. And it's wonderful to see, but had we not protected it, had we not uh, got the rocks out of the way, that wouldn't have been able to produce anything worth having. So God did that for Israel. And it goes on and it says, He gathered the stones, uh, stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. The choicest vine. We see next God's finest produce. We know that for Israel, and I believe this is referring specifically to something, and we'll get to that in a second, but we know with Israel that they wanted to start that, God wanted to start that vineyard with the finest, that choicest vine. What does that mean? Well, I believe that that means those that inhabited this land first, those that inhabited Canaan first. I believe this is referring to Abraham. I believe this is referring to Joshua and Caleb. And it's referring to those that came before this, this, this current generation of Israel in this time. Think about the importance to Israel if they're considering, if they're thinking about, uh, if they're celebrating, they always refer back to their fathers and their forefathers. And God had provided them a, a wonderful godly heritage to start this vineyard with, to start this, this growth from, the choicest vine. That's God's finest produce. And then we go on and we see God's fortress protected. Verse number 2, it continues on and it says, And he planted it with the choicest vine and built it with a tower in the midst of it. Not only had he fenced it around, not only had he gotten the rocks out of the way, not only had he provided the choicest vine, a godly heritage, but he provided a tower in the middle of this, this, this vineyard. What do you have that tower for? You have that tower there to watch for those that would come to seek and that would seek to steal, those that would want to kill, those that would, would want to destroy, those that would want to take, those that would want to burn something down. 
And God had not only that wall to protect, but he had that fortress, that, that tower in the middle to be able to warn those, uh, those that are living within this vineyard to say, hey, there's somebody coming to try to attack us. There's somebody coming to try to destroy us. That's his fortress protected. And then look, it goes on and it says, and also made a wine press therein. And I think about that and not only, look at all God has already done for Israel. I mean, this is, this is their fruitful produ production. He had done all everything and then he pro provided a wine press. I mean, they had the fruit and they had the ability to turn the fruit into wine. They had the ability to take that fruit and transform it into something worth using, worth having. I promise I'm going somewhere. Follow me here. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes. That's God's foreca forecasted provision. It was important that this vineyard produced because he had blessed it, because he had provided for it every single thing it needed. It had protection. It had, a for it had the tower. It had the, the rocks had been cast out. It had the wine press, had the best vines you could find to grow the grapes. They had everything. But look at Israel's flawed presentation. It goes on and it says, and it brought forth wild grapes. That's a shame. Because all God had done for Israel, all God had blessed them with, and it brought forth wild grapes. You see during this point in time that there's a division in the nation, there's contention in the nation, there's issues in the nation, there's, uh, there's un ungodliness in the nation, they're chasing after sin, they're doing things that are ungodly. And here's Isaiah, and he's preaching to them, he's, he's, he's prophesying to them, he's telling them, you're bringing forth wild grapes. Verse number four, uh, excuse me, We'll read verse number 3 and 4. Verse 3 says, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Ju Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard. What could have been done more to my vineyard? This is, this is the Lord speaking through Isaiah. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. Saying, what in the world happened? What took place? Why didn't I, I've given you everything you needed? I blessed you with everything that you wanted. I'll give you everything you asked for. But you ended up producing wild grapes. You know what wild grapes are defined as? I got it in here somewhere. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you. Smelly, vile, and poisonous. They're not worth using for anything. And you mean to tell me that this fruitful hill with this big barrier around it, with this big tower in the middle, with the big wine press sitting there in the middle, with the choicest vine can't produce anything worth having? I don't know about you, but that's a shame to the Lord because he had given them everything they needed. And my application this morning is think about the church today. Think about our nation today. Think about your life today. We're living in a day and time where God has blessed us beyond 
comprehension. He has given us more than anything we can understand. He's built a wall around us. He's put a tower in the middle. He's given us the choicest vine. He's blessed us with the wine press, the way that we could turn that, that, uh, those grapes into something worth having. And I believe our nation, I believe our church, I believe our people is not producing anything worth having, but rather we are producing wild grapes. Well, how in the world did that happen? Well, like Israel, what did it say there in verse number 3? says, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, the nation was divided. You find the northern and the southern kingdom there in verse number 3. Israel had tried judges. They had wanted kings. They had wanted everything else, everybody else around the world had to be able to have success, and they ended up cut in half. I mean, that's a shame. God didn't intend on that. He just wanted to be the master of that vineyard. He just, and, and even while they had done all they had done, he'd still provided for them. He'd still blessed them. He'd still been there for them. And we're living in a day and we're walking in a world where everything is just hunky-dory. Everybody just loves what they're doing, loves how they're living, loves how they're acting, wants to continue in the way that we're doing. And I'm going to tell you, and we'll just hit it on the head right this second, that in a world where abortion is legal and we can kill five times the amount of people that the Holocaust ever touched, 50 million babies that never did anything wrong have been murdered in our nation under our flag. And while churches can ordain uh, people that don't have any business behind the pulpits and people are living in sin and there's adultery across the aisles of the churches, there's ungodliness and vile things in the people's lives. They get on their phone and they watch pornography and they profess to be a Christian. They stand before a church and they give their testimony, but yet they never live like it. They never act like it. They give wanting God to give them a brand new red Ferrari. They don't care anything about what God wants, but they only care about what they need. And this, this wall he's built up, he's starting to take it down. And this tower that he's got up, he's starting to take it down. And that wine press is not putting forth any good fruit because what we're putting in is not anything worth turning into anything. It's wild. It's smelly. It's vile. It's poisonous. And God hates it. Why in the world are we wondering why America's falling? Why are we wondering why our nation is in despair? Why are we worried why the church is falling? Why do we wonder why our families are apart? Because we're not given anything and we're not working hard towards the truth. We're not working hard towards the cause of Christ. We're not building anything up worth having. All we're doing is build upon sand. All we're blessing our children with is something that's going to fall apart as soon as they get it into their hands. We're not passing anything on worth having. We're not building up anything worth sticking around. But we're doing things to only build up ourselves. And we wonder why God is taking down the protection around us. America deserves every bit of judgment it's getting right this second because of the ungodliness. And I love our nation, don't get me wrong. But everything that we're doing, we're asking for it. Israel was asking for it. They were asking, literally begging God just to judge them because he had blessed them so much and they didn't produce anything worth having. Look at his fast punishment. Isaiah verse number 4 Again, he says, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? What a shame it is that God would say that considering our, produ our produce, the things we've produced, the things we've done. We wonder, we wonder. Now, Israel was wondering, I'm sure. Why is this not working? Why is this falling apart? Did you find as soon as God blessed them, they'd turn away? As soon as God would give them something, they'd turn away. It's kind of like a little child. You just, 
Give them, give them, give them, give them everything. Don't ever teach them how to work for anything or how to, uh, that they have to ask nicely or that they have to work hard for something or they have to uh, pray about something. What do you expect? They're never going to be fulfilled. They don't understand what it means to work for something. It goes on. Look at, what, look at what God tells Israel. And I believe this is where we could find the church. This is where we could find our nation. This is where we could find ourselves. He goes on and it says, verse number 5, And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. It says, I will take, will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be, be eaten up and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down. Verse number 6, it says, and I will lay to waste, it shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the, is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah his pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, but behold oppression, for righteousness, but behold a cry. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, Till there be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In mine eye, ears, said the Lord of hosts, of a truth many houses shall be desolate, even great and fair without inhabitant. Yea, ten acres of vineyard shall yield one bath, and the seed of an homer shall yield an epath. God is telling them, he says, I'm going to take down the barrier I put around you. I'm going to take down the bounty that I promised you I'd give you. I'm going to take down the belongings that I, that, that I was going to offer to you. I'll take away the benefits of all this blessing that you've got around us. And I'm not only am I going to do that, he said he's going to take away the bumper crop that he had, he had offered them as well. And I think about that and I think how clearly, how much, how much more do I need to see that we are living and walking in this today? That we're divided in the church, we're divided in the home, we're divided in our nation, divided across the world. But yet we expect God just to keep giving us everything and God just to be patting us on the hind end and just keep blessing us. And I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but we've got to get real about this stuff. We've got to understand that literally the way that we live, the way we walk, the things we do, it affects how God blesses us. Not only blesses me, but blesses the next generation to come. Israel, it was 1948 before they became a recognized nation again. To imagine all the years that they weren't even recognized as a nation. I believe that's to do with the fact that their vineyard, the walls had came down. The tower had been destroyed. The wine press produced bad fruit. That vine that God blessed, and bless my heart this morning, if you think about our nation, what God has done for us, we are more blessed than any other nation you'll ever see. And I mean, I'm not saying we're God's chosen people, but think about Israel, all the woes and all the ups and downs. God has blessed us so much we can't even comprehend. He has built a barrier around us, and we didn't even have to put a wall up. I'm not saying we shouldn't, but I'm just saying that we didn't have to build one for him to protect us. He put a force field of his hedge of protection around our nation. 1941, before another army, since another army has attacked our nation. I'm not saying 9-11 wasn't, wasn't that, but that's a very different situation. But 1941 was the last time an organized military force has attacked our nation. Israel can't say that today. 
How blessed are we that God's own people are having to fight tooth and nail to, to, to keep what they have? And we're letting it fall apart. He put a watchtower in the midst of our nation. If you're not an American, I would say you probably fear the, the might of America's military. And if you're, American, if you're an American and you understand the might of our military, you probably fear it a little bit as well because you know what God has provided us, the greatest fighting force on the face of this earth. And he's given us a wine press. He's blessed us with it. We have the ability to produce anything we want in this nation. I mean, you name it, we can grow it here. Well, that only grows it on the most remote you know, island in Asia somewhere, we can make it happen. We ain't worried about it. We got the money. We got the resources. We got the time. We can make it happen. God has blessed us in that way. Most modern creations, most things, the cars you drive, the things you do, the cell phones you have, the, the, the things, the computer you have, the air conditioning, the stuff, it has been in our nation from our wine press that that has been produced. But we're not producing anything worth having. I tell you, we probably would be better off not to have all this stuff we have today. I heard a preacher say one time, I was at a, uh, it was like a, it was a young preacher's meeting kind of thing where it was just a, a conference for young preachers to get together and they had a lot of older men there giving, in, giving advice and examples and there was one man that got up and he said, for young preachers, with all of the resources that you have through computers, through phones, through Bibles and study resources, if you don't know God's word, that is more of a shame than it's ever been because you have every resource you need to get a hold of God. But we're missing the spiritual side. People are coming up and they're getting into positions and they're getting behind pulpits and they're getting into leadership roles and they don't know God. That's a shame. In a time where we should have more dedication to God, we should have more uh, relation to God, we don't. Think about the church. God has put his barrier around his church. He's protected his church. But there are so many out there that are not wanting to serve him. There's so many out there that are subscribing to all the political mess that's going on in our nation. There's so many out there that are bowing down to the devil and the things that Satan wants to interject and put into the church. When he starts taking, those, taking that barrier down, when that tower falls, when that wine press is destroyed, when all the things he promised, when we got rocky ground, we ought not complain until we say, are we doing our part? This fruitful hill God has blessed us with, are we doing our part to produce from that? I can say that I've not done my entire part. But as I studied this message again, it had been a while since I'd looked it over. But as I studied this message again, I preached this first time uh, February of 2018. And the world was very different than it is right now. And I remember how God impressed my heart, how our nation, how our, all that we have, our church, our homes, everything, how all of it had been greatly blessed by God. And we're in a time that we're being tested of those things. We're in a time where God is right there at the door and he is saying, I'll take this down. I'll take that, that barrier down. I'll take the bounty away. I'll take that bumper crop away. We've had that. We've had the blessing. We've had the, the bounty. We've had all those things. And we're at this time where God is, 
I believe, going to continue to just take that away. I saw a bumper sticker yesterday. And it said, if you can read this, if you can read this sticker, thank your teacher. If it's in English, thank a Marine. <laughs> and I got to thinking about that, and I was like, you know, that's pretty good. That's a good, good statement. My papa Glenn would really like that, being a Marine. But, you know, I got to thinking about the deeper meaning of that. Think about the ability to do anything. First and foremost, we've got to thank the Lord. For the ability to get up in the morning, to go anywhere, to do anything, have a job, have a car, have a house, have a family. God blessed us with, with that opportunity. But if we see this falling away. And it used to be, well, the egotistical. Thank me, thank this person, thank that person. Now we've seen this turn away, there's no thankfulness at all. Whatsoever. This mindset, Satan loves this division he is causing. And we see, as I told you here with Israel, these kingdoms, these divided kingdoms. God wanted to rule Israel. He wanted to be their king. He wanted to be their ruler. They didn't want that. He gave them the judges, <laughs> and they didn't like that. <laughs> that was a, a good form, I guess, of God's vengeance just being evident through the judges. Then he gave them kings because they wanted to be like everybody else. You'd have one king that was evil and you'd have one king that was good and we know that God allows all powers to rise and fall but I think about the world we're in today. We're so far from what those days were. Those people, they went when it was time to turn back to God, they turned back to the Lord and they were one or the other. Israel was either they're serving themselves and serving some crazy God that was made up in a cave somewhere or they're serving the God creator of the earth but in the world we live today there's so much for people to serve there's so many divisions even in the church you've got one church that's there well we only do this we only serve this we only follow this got one group of people we only serve this we only do this you got people that they i don't believe in god but i believe in nature i believe i'm gonna worship nature and i'm well i don't believe in god i don't believe in anything at all and you got people, well, I believe in Buddha or I, whatever else it is they come up with. My brand new Ford truck is my God, whatever it may be. And drive a Ford, it's a shame anyway. No offense to all you Ford people in here. But you know, we live in this world where we're so divided, it's so shattered. People are serving and following so many things. How can we see change? Someone would come to the piano. We're going to have a little opportunity for someone to come and pray. If someone would come and care to play for just a moment, Mom, if you want to.